Hey, I'm Alex Kazam. You've made it to my podcast where I talk about doing it with people that have done it. So let's go get out of your head. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Get Out of Your Head. I'm joined this week by Miss Cherry Poppins. Cherry, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Cherry, listen, I want to get right down into it. You do some really cool stuff and it'll pop up uh, automatically and naturally throughout the course of our conversation. I want to ask you to walk me through the first 60 minutes of a perfectly productive day. Perfectly productive day. Well, um, that would really depend on where I'm booked, where I'm working. Uh, I guess I would get up, get ready, head to my first show. Uh, hopefully the club's busy. And uh, go home, grab some, grab some food, hopefully for the night. Go back to the club and stay there all night, hoping to make some money, hoping for a good crowd. Cool. What? Uh, okay. Walk, walk me through that. So when you when you wake up, do you do you still work on on new material? Because so so for the folks that haven't creeped you yet on on social media, you are an international showgirl, a uh, feature exotic dancer. You specialize in burlesque and aerial arts. What what does creating new content look like these days what does what does waking up mean like those first 60 minutes when you when you're getting ready what do you what do you do do you listen to music do you eat food like do you have breakfast are you a big breakfast person or do you find that your mornings are more you know starting around 2 or 3 p.m yeah they definitely start later in the day uh lots of times i'll have afternoon shows as well as nighttime shows so a lot of times i just wake up grab some clothes, run to the club, pick up something on the way, do my first show, and then come back and eat after. I don't really have a whole lot of time, which is surprising to some people because they think that I only work at like 10 o'clock at night or whatever. But no, I'm a, I'm a feature entertainer, so sometimes I have to do lunch shows, sometimes I do 5 o'clock shows, and yeah, sometimes I don't start till 10. It really depends on where I am, which club, which province, the day of the week is big too because nobody yeah. really opens at 3 o'clock on a Monday like they would on a Saturday. Right, right, absolutely. Where do you find where do you find 80% of your, your revenue and your, your bookings come from? I have a few different agencies and I do uh, burlesque as well on the side. So I do some of my own bookings for the uh, partially nude or you know, just a little more risque shows, but my agents will book me at all my clubs. I have different agencies for different provinces and 80% of my revenue, like mostly it comes from the clubs, but there's a bunch of different components within the clubs. Like uh, there's private dances, there's stage shows. I get paid to do my stage shows, but also a large portion of that is tips. I'd say maybe not 80%, but split up into thirds, and then whatever work I do on the side as well at other non-nude venues. Gotcha. Okay, and walk me through, walk me through like your ideal experience. Like, so, so for those listeners that may not be as, as experienced with the burlesque world or the, the exotic dance world, um, what, what is like the ideal club setup? What is the ideal feel? And, and what is like, walk me through one of your favorite nights that you've performed for. One of my favorite nights. Um, I think the best thing for me is when I go into a club and the owners and the managers immediately treat you with respect. They're happy to see you. They're happy to have you. 
They let you do your thing, and the customer is the same. I like a good, enthusiastic crowd, you know, good tippers, of course, but I always appreciate people who appreciate me. So when they want to see my big shows, when they want to see me hanging out of a hoop in the ceiling, when they want to see me breathing fire and they're loving it and they're giving me that feedback, that's the ideal crowd, that's the ideal night, that's the ideal booking. Like, I love feeding off of the crowd's energy. And when there's a good vibe in the club, everyone has a great time. Customers have a great time. The staff does. I do. Just makes for a great Absolutely. Absolutely. Very, very cool. Do you find, uh, how do you, how do you know when you're, when you're, uh, when you're winning them over, like how do you know when an audience is, is coming to your side? I mean, obviously applause and the energy, but when you when you talk about energy and, and feeding off of the crowd's vibe, can you give me like specific ways of, of how you feel that outside of applause? Because applause is great and tipping is great, but is there anything else that you find you, you notice in people when they're really drawn in and attracted to what you're doing? Yes, uh, their eyes will not be off of you. We have a problem now. With modern technology, uh, a lot of people are sitting in front row with their cell phones, just texting, not paying attention. Um, so, yeah, people will be much more attentive. If if nobody in front row is on their phone in this day and age, like, you, that's You're doing a good battle. Job. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fair enough. Uh, do you do you streamline or outsource or automate anything? I know you mentioned having a couple agencies. Do you uh, do you have like a virtual assistant that takes care of of like the flood of Instagram or social media messages you get? I mean, I was lucky enough to to get you on Instagram just just through a direct message saying, "Hey, uh, you know, I really like your work. Come come on the podcast. I'd love to have you as a guest." And you were kind enough to uh, to accept that. Um, do you do you think that now or or in the future there's anything you're going to start? Um, automating or outsourcing etc yeah i think definitely in the future i might have to i've already had a few people offered to run my social media accounts but right now it's just um i'm pretty busy with it i'm just not completely overwhelmed yet and i think it gives a much more personal approach if you can run it yourself because my clientele the people who come in to see my shows buy dances from me uh tip me to get posters or magnets from me on stage, whatever merch I'm selling. They want a personal connection. Like they don't absolutely want to hear some, they don't want to read messages from some guy I've hired. They want to hear from me and get to know me. So. Absolutely. Not makes sense. What do you think? Uh, Cause I've, I've struggled with this over the past few months and, and just starting to think this way. Uh, because I haven't let go of my social media yet, uh, you know, to outsource that. And I, and I, I don't think I will uh, for now. Uh, just like you said, you know, that personal connection is so important for, for people like us. Do you find that because, you know, when you're in a product based business, like when you're selling, you know, Coca-Cola or you're selling uh, used goods or furniture, there's a lot there's a lot more in that platform of business that you can do to scale and automate things like what have you found that that you do that consumes like 80% of your time but but gives you very little little uh, reward like 20% reward for 80% time spent so i guess i'm asking you like what are your biggest time wasters um when i used to have a facebook profile i'd have a lot of people add me and just message me Total, like, no intention to come to the club. They maybe live in Halifax or something like that or Minnesota. 
and they expect replies and you won't reply, they'll keep messaging, messaging you. Uh, it's pretty people who have shown no interest in coming to the club and seeing me in person or anything of the sort like that. Just uh, a lot of guys who message me want like emotional labor without, you know, paying me for it, really, to be blunt. Because it is a lot of work. Uh, I'm not their girlfriend. I've never seen them in person. I want to focus my time on the clients who I have met in the club and then message me rather than people who I'll never meet from South America. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. What's the craziest thing you've ever done? Craziest thing I've ever done? Oh, geez. Um, it's hard to think off the top of my head. I mean, right now I'm learning sideshow. So I've been uh, hammering nails up my nose lately, <laughs> which a lot of people think is crazy. I know a lot of people who do sideshow, so it's kind of normal to me. I think my definition of crazy is a little different than most people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I think the more I ask that question of various guests, the the, the more varied the answers are. I had uh, Danny Z on at one point. He was my first mentor in magic and uh, and business, and he said that he once um, he once had someone drive a nail gun nail through his tongue to a tree, like he nailed his tongue to a tree, uh, which is just like nuts, like just ridiculous. So yeah, I think I think the the, the higher up that scale you get of of sideshow work, the uh, the crazier the stuff gets. Yeah. Um, nail at the nose is a good one though. What a, almost a classic. I'm glad you're you're practicing it because uh, it's a, it's a great great stunt. Love it. It's awesome. What? Uh, okay, so so tell me this. You you started dancing. Uh, I mean, you you didn't start at like a super super young age, or or did you? Because from from what I saw from your bio, it's a 2011. But did you get into dancing? Um, like, were you in like like jazz and hip hop like at a young age, or did did dancing come a little bit later in your life? Um, well, I was in figure skating for a lot of my childhood, which I dropped out of. Probably shouldn't. I was quite good at it, but I think that's what gave me a bit of my skill later on. As far as burlesque and exotic dancing goes, um, I'm only 24, so I started as soon as I turned 18. I was doing clubs and whatnot while I was still in high school. I'd work at night and go to class on the day. I was actually uh, technically underage for the province I was in. I was in Saskatchewan, so the legal age to be in a licensed venue is 19. We actually yeah. ended up getting fined by the SLGA for a whole bunch of stuff. They had really archaic laws, like you couldn't peel off a glove. It was considered stripping. Uh, we couldn't wow. get changed on the silhouette screen because there's no full nudity in licensed venues in Saskatchewan. So I ended up making the National Post at 18 years old, actually, for uh, the fines that we got. And we tried to change the laws. We eventually succeeded after a few years of protesting. But, yeah, I did start pretty young, but not as young as some people, <laughs> I suppose. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and the SLGA being the, the Saskatchewan uh, uh, Liquor and Gaming Authority, yeah? Yeah, correct. 
Okay, okay, yeah, just for just for people that might not be from the area, um, that's yeah, that's crazy. Like that, just some of these archaic laws, and and they're they're so <laughs> they're so like patriarchal and just like based in religion uh, that it's it's just kind of laughable sometimes. You know how outdated and how ridiculous they are. You know, taking off a glove on stage. I mean, you know, it's it's fun for me to listen to that though because. Um, I've done shows in Toronto where I've literally had 12 lit cigarettes in my mouth and was doing a burlesque piece as part of a burlesque festival as a male performer. So I would be in, in, a, in a corset and, uh, and maybe, maybe a thong uh, doing this, this ridiculous uh, you know, cigarette piece with, with 12 lit smokes on stage in a public venue. And um, you know, liquor inspectors were in the building and, and these, these so-called authorities were there, but you know, at one point you just you just notice that there are there are entertainment laws that withstand um, withstand time, and and then there are entertainment laws that come as a result of of good art and good entertainment. So kudos to you for uh, you know changing laws. I mean that's amazing. You know, making the National Post at eighteen that's brilliant. Yeah, on a stripper pole. <laughs> <laughs> but that's I'm awesome. Not pleased. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I uh, I was gonna ask you that. You said your mother wasn't pleased, right? Your mom. What? Uh, where Where is she at now? Like, are are your parents still involved in your life? Are they still supportive and and respectful respectful of what you do? Uh, right. Yeah, they're both still in Saskatchewan. They um, at first they were very resistant to my uh choice of income. However, over the years, they've finally just kind of accepted it. My grandma, surprisingly, is the most supportive of me. You know, you'd think that would be the opposite. But yeah, yeah, the the older generation usually uh, <laughs> chastises the most. But but that's cool that she's she sounds like a cool grandma. Yeah, love her to bits. <laughs> that's awesome. Awesome. Um, you know what, talk to me more about that. What, uh, you know, as far as you're comfortable with what, what is your personal life come relationships and sexcapades and, um, you know, random, uh, precarious and, and promiscuous adventures. What, what is that like for you as a performer? Have you, have you successfully negotiated uh, a relationship or, or not? Um, you know, dancers have a hard time finding good men in their life. I'm not going to lie about that. Uh, a lot of guys are not okay with our jobs. Like, di- laws in provinces and states are different wherever you go, too. So, like, I live in a province that doesn't even allow touching during dances, and still guys are like, no, no way. Uh, I know girls who have dated other male strippers who are jealous of their girlfriends stripping. It's wow. it's really weird. There are a lot of guys as well who, you know, want to date us just for our money. So I understand what a lot of guys have felt with, you know, gold diggers and whatnot throughout <laughs> the years now that I'm usually the one with the higher paying job. But yeah, a lot of guys just aren't secure enough or they view this job as dirty or whatnot there's a lot of double standards and a lot of girls have that same problem it's very hard to find a good boyfriend who sees the job for what it is a job and can deal with with it and isn't dating you for the wrong reasons lots of guys will 
date a girl just to brag to their buddies, oh, yeah, I'm dating this hot stripper or whatever, too. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely challenging to find a decent guy <laughs> in this in this profession. Yeah. What do you what do you think? And I, I want to dive in a little deeper with you because I think you're highly, highly intelligent. And I really appreciate you being on the show because there is definitely obviously the the sex appeal and the image and the the entertainment standard and and you know that that kind of glorified persona that that drew me to you and that I think will draw listeners to you and and to to hearing this show and yet I want you to know that I I do follow your social media and I I say that sincerely because I don't really follow much of my social media accounts because I'm busy producing content but when I when I find a female performer who's doing something that I find you know to me burlesque is a little dead and and if you'll permit me to defend that before I start attacking burlesque I find that a lot of venues that I've been to it's just girls mainly girls who don't have any real um dance or singing or theater experience period they they just like the idea for some reason or another of getting drunk every saturday with with her other girlfriends getting on stage uh, in a in a glorified costume of some sort and then taking it off to a music that that they may or may not have rehearsed to and may or may not have choreographed anything to and then they end up in tassels but the the whole like the word burlesque like the history of that word and of that culture is literally it's it's basically supposed to be like a subversive tease I think if I'm if I'm if I'm not mistaken. So right. yeah. thank you. Thank you for being that performer because you are really talented. And and my question to you is, what do you think it would take from from guys or from future generations of of men? And it it doesn't have to just be heterosexual relationships. I mean, this this will probably apply in in um, homosexual relationships just as much because that that issue of of human greed and human ego and and jealousy i think transcends sexuality or or you know choice gender uh so what what do you think it will take for us as 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 a humans uh, as a humanity to uh to change those those shitty men if you will um well i already see a change in society actually um a long long time ago the clubs were very, maybe not a long, long time ago, pretty recently, actually, maybe like 10 years ago, the clubs were pretty conservative with their bookings and, you know, burlesque as well. If you were the slightest bit overweight, you weren't getting booked. If you were black, you weren't getting booked. If you were Asian, you weren't getting booked. If you were tattooed, you weren't getting booked. But now, oh, and plastic surgery, too. A lot of the times before your first booking, the the agency would tell you, oh, you know, you should probably get breast augmentation done. But now there's a lot more natural bodies. There's a lot less pressure on us to have the perfect image. Um, I think society is really changing, especially with third wave feminism, preaching body positivity and unrealistic standards. I was told when I first started that I'd never reach my current show price being an all-natural girl, but, you know, five years later, six years later, here I am. I have my show price, and you see a lot less, uh, I mean, obviously, there's still a lot of plastic, if you will, forgive me for the term, but there is a lot more natural girls, and, you know, I find 
a lot of men appreciate that more than the yeah. the former, really. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think there's a lot changing with people's mindsets and uh, whatnot. Good. No, that's good to hear because I think that, you know, even, even through chatting with you, I I would love to know that you were able to find someone uh, if you know and if that's your choice or if that's your goal to find someone that could support you and love you for you and and doing what you do and who you are and not be jealous or upset or insecure and i think that finding that special someone is definitely a challenge and and uh, trust you me it's 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 very much been the same in in my life and though we're we're not identical in in what we do i think there is still uh, you, you know personally i i get the words I can't tell if you're on right now or if you're just being you. And it's it's really it's it's almost like like soul crushing when someone says that to me because when I am with my partner or when I am with a with a romantic interest or a or a, a sex partner or a friend and they they say that I know that I've or at least I feel that I've failed to show them like uh, a genuine authentic version of me. And maybe I haven't, and maybe it's just the way they interpreted something I said. But the fact that it always remains a possibility in, in the peop in the back of people's minds is really sad to me. You know, like if if like you know, have you if, if okay, t tell me about this. Like, come come, sex and sexuality. Have you have you experienced that where where someone has said to you in a in a romantic or like you you know you, you generally had an interest in this person, but you were doing something in the bedroom or intimately that they thought, oh, like leave that at work kind of thing. Like, has that ever come up? Um, not so much that. However, I have had guys call me by my stage name in bed, which uh, I don't really, I'd like to leave that at work. And uh, a lot of people, you know, think I'm going to be a lot more overtly sexual or whatever in my personal life. Um, guys have asked me, guys that I've dated have asked me to give them a lap dance. And for me, for a lot of dancers, that's really weird to us with guys that we're dating because we don't see the guy we're dating as the same type of guys we see at work. Like there are customers, we provide that service, but we don't want to treat our boyfriend, husband, whatever as a customer. We don't, and we don't want to feel objectified by them. Right. Yeah, that's uh, that's oh, that's so fascinating to me that um, yeah, that there has to exist uh, like that duality that 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 um, you know those 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 two universes have to remain separate in order for a helpful relationship to happen. I think that if you ignore that and if those boundaries start getting crossed and and you know and you are getting called cherry in bed. Um, I, I could definitely see that being, uh, if, if nothing else, you know, a, a giant turnoff, but potentially down the road, also really destructive to the relationship. Oh yeah. It's definitely a red flag. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Cherry, let me ask you this then. What, uh, what do you want in the next year? What do you want in the next five? What do you want in the next 10? Um, well the next year I'm actually working on a non-immigrant work visa for the United States because there's just a broader market for burlesque and entertainment down there. There's a lot more opportunities to get published, this and that. 
you know, especially being in Alberta, there's not really a whole lot of support for the arts here. I don't know about Toronto. So in the next year, I'd hopefully like to move to a bigger city and improve uh, my international reputation a little bit more. The next five years, I'd, you know, hopefully like to be doing a lot more burlesque, possibly producing a show show or two, wherever that may be, where I can get my own roster of girls and kind of fit it to my uh, my vision. In 10 years, I will hopefully be taking that show on the road and hopefully being successful with a touring production of my own. I think that would be my ultimate dream. <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome. Very, they they seem very feasible and and very very beautiful and uh, and fulfilling, which is which is awesome. What do you do outside of uh, performing to uh, to just live life? What are your what are your strange little habits or hobbies? I mean, I know you you mentioned that you're getting into sideshow, but that's that's more work related. I guess what I'm asking is more, you know, when you're with friends and you're just hanging out, what uh, what do you do to to spend time? Well, um, when I do have spare time. I like to I like to sew actually. I do seamstress work as a hobby and you know, just for a little bit of side cash too, I take some commissions. But I really enjoy doing that. I think I got that from my grandma. My grandma really is big on sewing. Um I like to go out with friends on patios and just relax with a few cocktails. And I love rock and roll. I'm going to see Def Leppard tonight and I'm so excited. <laughs> Oh, amazing! Where's Where's Def Leppard playing tonight? Uh, Rogers Arena in Edmonton. Wow, that's awesome! So big rock and roll influence, and I mean, you can you can definitely tell that if if um if some of the listeners go over to your Instagram page and and kind of take a look at your style, uh, everything everything kind of has that um, yeah that that almost it, it reminds me of uh, have you been to uh, it's a club in Toronto. Uh, I don't know if you've been to it or if you've if you've heard of it. Hold on, I'm just trying to remember the name. But their their entire theme is is very it's very it's very similar to to your your visual brand. And and when I saw I I, I knew of you before I actually knew of this club. And um and when I saw when I saw their the club oh Cherry Colas Cherry Colas in Toronto. Um, it just the the layout. It's kind of like this red room, and and uh, everyone everyone working kind of has to dress a certain way. And when I when I walked in there, I, it literally just made me think of you. And and I think they should be paying you royalties for how the, how their image is looking. Awesome! I've never. Oh, it's, heard it's, that. It's, sounds like a great place. Yeah, yeah. No, check it out. I'll, I'll send you a link uh, of of some of the pictures. It's it's a really cool place. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. What uh, what what do you what do you think of of the art uh, and I and I mean that in a way of like where is it right now I mean you mentioned the the visa application to work in the states the uh, you know you're dealing with the immigration stuff you're you're clearly branching out and I'm I'm so happy for you because it is it is kind of one of those things that you have to I think in this day and age become a big fish in a small pond and with technology and, and social media, it's so easy to do that. You can become big in Regina and, and become known for, for breaking some rules uh, on the national post. And then, you know, you move to Edmonton and now, you know, the States and, and it's, it's that, that snowball effect. The arts will always thrive where there are, 
a lot of people because I think people are what drive the arts. But where do you where do you find? Uh, I guess I'll ask specifically to burlesque. Where do you find burlesque is right now, and where do you think it's going? Oh, uh, uh, I think burlesque has become a lot more mainstream in the last few years. Uh, in Edmonton, we have a small burlesque community, but I only do one show every couple months here. But I've gone down to LA and I've done shows there, and there's a lot more there than you can do here. There's always a show you can get in there. Like there's shows every night of the week down there if you want to catch them. And I find there's a larger audience who appreciates it a lot more. I think uh, bigger cities definitely. In Edmonton, there's a lot of transients and people who just come to make their money and get out, work the work the trades. It's a, if, yeah, it's not really about the arts, Edmonton. I think it, Edmonton's more of a masculine city. I'd describe it as if Edmonton was a person, its gender would be male. And I think uh, the arts is largely, I mean, I get male and female clientele, but especially at the burlesque shows, I see a lot more women there than uh, than men, personally, just from the shows that I've been in. So um, I think it just really depends on the demographics. L.A. is a great town for me, compared to Saskatchewan and Alberta, to do burlesque in, like, there's a large audience for it. Lots of people live in L.A. specifically for the arts, just the types of jobs that are there, like actors, musicians, uh, web designers, fashion designers. It all, yeah, it's all kind of the same brand, and I think we all kind of support each other a little more. I've never been to Toronto. I don't know if you've found the same there. I think, yeah, I, you know what, it's, it's, <laughs> that's a tough question too, because Toronto's an interesting beast because it has a bit of, a bit of both sides of what you mentioned, you know, there, if I had to pick a gender for it, if I wanted to start there with you, I mean, I, I don't know that I would describe it as male or female. I mean, I would, I would definitely describe parts of it as, as a bit of both and parts of it more male and parts of it more female. And I, I love that, that way of framing mm -hmm. it for, for people's imaginations, by the way. So thank you for that. Cause I'll, I'll definitely use that in the future. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess what we're, what we're referring to is, is having that hub, right? Like that Mecca where people do go together and they, they live there and they are, they are proud of their, their culture and their community and their city, you know, the artists, the designers, the, the architects, et cetera, that is LA, that is very much Toronto, Chicago, New York, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting beast of a, of a question and, and of a thought for sure. Mm hmm what do you do? What do you do to stay in shape for what you do? Do you uh, do you train in a, in a gym at all these days? Do you do you watch what you eat, or do you strictly just eat whatever you want and just dance at night? Well, up until about two weeks ago, that's what I did. But I finally bit the bullet and went for a gym membership. I mean, uh, I'm 24 now, so it's about time I start doing that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I love that you're making it sound like you're like this 80 year old woman you know it's oh, oh it's, it's about it time I started job. <laughs> oh yeah fair enough fair enough hey eh? the, the the age bias is 24 now okay good good what uh what have you explored in that since I didn't mean to cut you off what have you found what are you what, what's your goal with that 
oh, I just want to stay fit and toned, keep my body healthy, keep, keep my joints supported. Uh, a lot of girls get knee problems very early on, and mine have been starting to hurt lately, so I just want to strengthen the muscles around them a bit, make sure my body will last me my entire career. Yeah, yeah, longevity, yeah, fair enough. Uh, no, that's awesome. That's a, that's a good focus to have. I think a lot of people ignore the, the long-term uh, benefits of, of, you know, muting or, or slightly turning down the short-term gains uh, because, you know, it's it's fun to, to get all jacked and hyped and, and look great in 30 days. Uh, but it's it's just more about how do you sustain that for, for 60 or 80 years, you know? Right. Um, yeah, cool. Wow. Wow, this has been this has been so much fun. I, I hope you have uh, a little bit more time for me to to ask a couple more things. Are you okay with that? Yeah, definitely. In a little time, Jerry, I want to go into a, a sixty second lightning round. So we'll do uh, we'll just do a sixty second lightning round. I ask you as many questions as we can in sixty seconds. The timer will start after I've asked the first question. Okay. All right. Here we go. Who inspires you the most? Dita Von Teese. Name your top three favorite burlesque performers. Again, Dita Von Teese, uh, Roxy Delight, and Medea Noche. What do most people disagree with you on that you know to be true? Attitudes within the club from customers. If you could try a different career for a day, what would you be? Mm. I'd like to work in an office just to see what it's like for a day. (laughs) Alive or dead, name three people you'd want to go to dinner with. Uh, Hillary Clinton, Madonna, and Axl Rose. Favorite movie? Night at the Roxbury. What are you not good at at all? Sports, believe it or not. What do you What do you do to relax? Just lay back with some Netflix. Who's the coolest person you've had the chance to meet? I'd say... Jeez. Oh, <laughs> That's 60 seconds. We'll we'll end there, but but I'd love to I'd love to get an answer from you on that one. So take your time. Coolest person I've ever met. I've met a lot of cool yeah. people in my life. Like I'm trying to think of some big name, but I've met a lot of just like random people on the street too that I think are pretty cool. Like Hollywood Jesus, people like that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Hollywood Jesus. There's uh there's a guy in, in Niagara who uh uh, he calls himself, uh, I think he calls himself Jesus Maggot or something like that, or Zombie Jesus. I think he goes by Zombie Jesus now. Okay. Um, yeah, and he he does uh, he does like a, a Zombie Jesus thing, and it's it's pretty cool because he's he's gotten some good notoriety for it. Um, what what do you want to see more of from from younger generations of of performers, of dancers, entrepreneurs, etc.? Uh, a connection with the audience again. A lot of people yeah. don't get that personal connection. Like you really, yeah, you really need to connect. They're there for you. They aren't watching this on the internet. They're there at your show buying tickets. They got dressed up to go out. Connect with them. Yeah, yeah, they're there. They're there to support you. They're, they made an effort. Yeah, so true. Very true. Man, that's uh, yeah, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting fact that that I find that there's a, a bit of a. I don't know if you found this it, like like a bit of a snarkiness or like a 
like a, a pretentiousness. There's, you know, there's a difference between confidence because you have to operate from a place of confidence for what you do, as do I. I think that confidence is not a bad thing, but when it when it becomes uh, like an air of self entitlement, I think it, I think it gets people into trouble, specifically artists, because you know, um, you might be brilliant and you might be really good at what you do, but if you're a dick, no one's gonna no one's gonna come back and watch you. Right. Yeah, you know. Uh, Johnny Rodden said something a long time ago. It was about you're only as good as your audience. Like you're just the same as them. Yeah. Like yeah. you're not. You're three foot high, three feet higher than them on a stage. You're not at god level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's it's so true. Um, like. You know, and and we see it even like you know, it's not even at a local level because at the local level it just makes me it makes me kind of laugh. But there's there's celebrities like you know Hollywood names that I, I won't have to mention, but I mean you know you could uh, you could easily look this up on YouTube. You know, for anybody listening that that wants to have a, a funny you know video to watch, there's uh, I think it's a BuzzFeed video or, or something like that where they talk about the top ten celebrities that just don't get booked anymore and. It's usually having to do with some story of, of they were just too pretentious or just too rude one too many times. You know, we, we definitely, you know, celebrities make mistakes and they're human too. So there's that that line that I don't want to cross and just and just start bashing celebrities. But at the same point, there are there are celebrities that you just don't see in movies or at the very least, you don't see them in good movies anymore because they, they were just, you know, they're just just dicks. Right. Yeah. And that's honestly the same reason there are some girls that I don't see in shows that I'm in anymore, too. Like the producer doesn't want to book them because of their attitude or in the club, the agent like the club won't take them when the agency tries to book them on a lineup because they're too much of a diva. It's like, why? Like, <laughs> it's the ultimate yeah. self-sabotage. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you a question for the men out there who are are maybe inexperienced uh, or or shy or just um, just beginning their journey on on stepping out of comfort zones because really that's what that's what this podcast is about is is just kind of getting people out of their head and and out of their zone of normal and this question has to do specifically for for the men so please feel free to answer as brutally and as honestly as you want if if a guy in a club or at the grocery store or on the street was going to try and seduce you and, and get to know you and pick you up. Has, have you ever had anyone do it successfully? So I guess, okay. So first question, have you ever had anyone do it successfully at your place of work? Like if you're booked at a club has a romantic or, or even just like a, like a sex partnership evolved from a, 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 a public um, booking or private booking. And, and question two would be, uh, what what approach has worked for you in the past with with guys? What what um, you know what what has someone said or or done? And and you can be as as general or specific as you want. That really kind of made you step back and go, oh, this is this is different. This you know, and and, and build some attraction. All right, so uh, I'll start with in the club. I've never had anybody pick me up out of the club because when I'm there, I'm there specifically for work. And I do, it's not even on my mind. I just don't think of it when I'm there. Though I have met girls who have met their husbands in the club. And it's a mm. wonderful, long-lasting, beautiful relationship. Uh, on the street, again, like, I've stopped and acknowledged people. But I've also, again, yeah, I've never really had anybody pick me up 
off the street. I think the main thing with everything is respect and how you approach somebody. If you're catcalling, if you're coming off as arrogant or pushy, no woman's going to like that, really, at least none that I know. If someone says, oh, excuse me, miss, like, I think you're really pretty, have a nice day, you know, that goes a lot further for me than somebody who's going to try and approach me as a conquest to show off in front of their buddies or whatnot. I'm a little old school. I like going into relationships when I've met somebody through a mutual friend or we've been friends for a little bit first. So, uh, yeah, I don't really, I don't really go out at night because obviously I'm working almost every night. So, yeah, I'm a little more conservative, but definitely respect in all aspects and just kindness is the way to get the best results. No, that makes sense. Do you find do you find yourself? Uh, okay, this is something that I've been personally struggling with for for a little while. So I'll, I'll just speak to that if if that's okay. This, this one's purely for me, folks. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, do you find you ever get lonely? Oh yes, all the time. <laughs> yeah. How do you how do you manage it? How do you negotiate that? Uh, well, I have a lot of good girlfriends and whatnot. I have a lot of good male friends too. Um, I just don't settle because you're lonely. I've done that before. It doesn't work out well. You're just going to settle for someone who's not there for the right reasons, and you won't be there for the right reasons either. It's Yeah, it's really lonely when you're in a room full of the opposite sex all night, and they're telling you, oh, you're so beautiful, this and that, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of words are empty as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you, yeah, just the right person, I think, will come along when you're ready for it and they're good enough to be in your life. Yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, okay, this is a question from one of our uh, female listeners. Uh, she wanted to ask uh, if you have to stop working when you're on your period. <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah, that's usually one of our first questions when we start as well. We cut the tampon string off and just... Yeah, no, we work. Can't and just good to go. Days off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, because uh, yeah, that's just it. I, when she, when she said that to me, I was like, that's that's a brilliant question. I mean, uh, yeah, because you know, a week a week off of of showing, and uh, you know, that's that's just assuming every performer is completely regular and and has a, a normal menstrual cycle, right? But you know, some people it's longer, some people it's shorter. Uh, but if you you know, you're talking seven to you know ten days to maybe more, depending on the person of uh, of no work is is no good. Um, very cool. Very cool. This is, this is awesome. Thank you so much for that. Cause that's, uh, that was, that was a, a strange question to open for me because, uh, not strange because of the content, but because I was, I was fascinated that I didn't come up with it myself. <laughs> yeah. It's not what a lot of people think about until yeah. you, and then you're like, Oh wait. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, what's your, what's your process to be creative? Like a lot of people talk about creativity as just coming to them and I'm trying to get out of the habit of making creativity that is something that just happens to me. Like it's some passive activity. Like, you know, sure, sometimes uh, an idea or a thought will transpire that might inspire a new act. Do you do you have a way to to basically output creativity more often? Is there something that you do that that kind of forces creativity? Um, I'm a pretty imaginative person. I like to take on characters. I have, I probably have about 30-some full-feature costumes that I use both in the clubs and for burlesque. 
and each one of them is a different theme. So I really like to take a story and kind of create it on stage and pretend I'm in a cartoon or in a, in a book or something like a fantasy because we're selling fantasy, you know, no, you're never going to meet a girl in a flowy angel costume outside of the club. (laughs) (laughs) You see it in your mind and you see it in the club. Um, And another thing is just life experiences. Like if I'm going through heartbreak or like a lot of stress, like when I'm really stressed out or angry, I'll do, you know, shows like blockhead on stage or fire uh, if I'm going through heartbreak, you know, usually I find that fuels me to do my shows with a little more gusto, I, I guess. Uh, uh, and sorry, just just for the listeners that might not know, Blockhead being the, the nail uh, up the nose piece. Right. Hammering the nail yeah. up your nose. Sideshow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and sorry, when you said when you're going through heartbreak, it, it forces more more stuff with like gusto and, and I guess like more more passionate, more more fiery. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Like, uh, maybe it'll change the music you dance to or the way you feel it. I, yeah, just anything I think can inspire, inspire you, the way you move, your persona on stage, whatever. Cool. Can you give me three practical, actionable steps to follow that will increase my business's cash flow? Ah, now, you do a little bit of different performance types than I do, but some of the same as well. Um, And it's a a tough question. I I put it in my kind of my flow sheet of questions for for entrepreneurs across all boards, uh, all ranges, because I find that uh, it's it's actually the number one question I get asked the most, not not as precisely or succinctly as that. Uh, but I would say the number one stress for a lot of small business owners, for a lot of performers, is cash flow. Uh, so I've included it here because, uh, yeah, we are in very different streams. So, uh, but but I can only talk to myself. I, I can't start speaking for for everyone's range. But if um, you know, ignoring ignoring me specifically, what what would you advise? Maybe that'll make it a little a little more uh, palatable uh, to, to answer. What what would you tell performers? That, that they can start doing to increase uh, business cash flow or, or revenue? Uh, grow your audience within your community. I do a lot of uh, mass follows on Facebook, so I find a performer that's similar to me or like uh, an Instagram page about redheads, like sexy redheads, and I'll go through their followers and I'll follow a very as many as Instagram will allow me to follow. And then sometimes people will message me. I've gained a few customers coming into the club just by going into a coworkers' followers list and following all those people. And then, bam, now they're my customer. So, yeah, growing your local audience for sure. I think you don't want to go follow a bunch of people from China because they're not going to come see you next week. You want people to come to your show and buy tickets for your event. People who live near you and have the same interests as you. So that's probably number one. Um, and yeah, again, being personable with people who come see you and show interest in you, remembering their name when they come into the club. That one's hard for me sometimes. I'm great with faces, bad with names. So I'll always remember a face that I see. And I'll try and say hi to them when I see them at my show or in front row at the club. Always uh, 
try to remember little details about what they do. You know, are they married? Do they have kids? Where are they from? So yeah, developing a clientele and getting to know your clientele, keeping base with them, and uh, just not giving up. Too. It's really hard sometimes if a ticket, like tickets to your show aren't moving or you're not really seeing a lot of return on time you've invested. Just don't let failure get the best of you. Keep pushing, keep pushing. Mm. Those are my three. Oh, those are those are great. Uh, and Sherry, what, I, what I'll do too is uh, episode uh, two of, of this podcast, the, the second episode I ever did, which in a way is, is kind of episode one. Um, I talk about how to remember people's names. Uh, it was just a solo, like a single hander. It was, it was just me. I didn't have guests on for that show. But I'll, I'll send you the link to that because it's, it's a short episode. I think it's like 18 minutes. Uh, but in it, I talk about remembering people's names because I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Remembering a customer's name. I mean, those people are paying you and they're supporting you. The, the least we can do, and it is hard because of how many people we meet, but it's no excuse, right? I mean, it's, it's remembering names. Like, as you said, yeah, faces, amazing. And then, and then names, if you can add that to the repertoire of, of skills, uh, it just, it, it takes you to a whole new level. Right. For sure. Amazing. Jerry, last question for you. When you're having a bad moment, how do you snap out of it? Oh, just uh, go into the change room, breathe, try and get centered again. Just uh, remember why you're there, what you have to do. Remember this is your job. You know, don't get overwhelmed by anything, you know, whether it's somebody or something somebody said to you, whether it's like, just not feeling it, you know, not making the money you thought you would that night, whatever. Uh, yeah, just go and try and breathe and center yourself and then walk out of the change room again and try and just stay positive and reset your mind again, lift your mind back up. Yeah, beautiful. Amazing. Okay, Cherry, thank you so much for your time today. I, uh, I I have a lot of stuff in here that I never considered before that I know that I will apply uh, into my life. So I really appreciate that. And, and I think people will, will get a really cool insight into the world of exotic dance and, and showgirls, burlesque, etc. So thank you for, for opening up those doors and, and allowing us in. Well, thanks for having me. That wraps up another episode. Thanks for listening. Please go over and check out my newly redesigned website, www.thealexkazam.com. As for the podcast, new episodes launch here every Monday. So please subscribe, rate the show, and we'll see you next time. I'm Alex Kazam, making the ordinary extraordinary. Or at least trying to. Thanks for your time. Seriously.